You are listening to the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 153, covering The Nagus and Vortex with Mark Bosco. Friends, we got a friend here with us named Bob. I'm still terrible at that. <laughs> Hi, Bob. Hello, friends. One of these days, I'll figure out how to how to how to say hi to the friends, and then how to say hi to the friends who are here. But that day <laughs> will not be today. That today is not a good day to to do to do that. that to friends, what I just said. Finishing. Right. How are you, Bob? I'm doing pretty well. I'm in your house. You're. He's in my house. This is still a novel thing for me. Yep. Third time, and it's still kind of weird. And you got a little tradition going there with your tea. Yep. Drinking tea. Earl Grey. Hot. Come to Al's house. We're not doing the Tea Earl Grey show now. Oh. No, now you need to have Rack Tagino. Yes. Oh. How do I get that? I would love to have Klingon coffee. That would yes. be the best thing. You just drink coffee and then put blood in it. <laughs> no, I I feel like their coffee is like ten times stronger than our coffee. Blood and chili peppers. Yes. Some kind of sriracha coffee. <laughs> is that how you say that? Sriracha Chino. I yes. don't know. Rectochinos. I did notice that everybody here in the Pacific Northwest likes things spicier and bitterer than I like them over on the East Coast. Yeah, that is one of those things. These mm -hmm. people be like this, but but we people be like this. <laughs> on such things is comedy born. Now stand in front of this brick wall and tell us your observations. <laughs> please, please do. No, rather stand in front of that poster of me and Matt. <laughs> And some puppets. Ah, and yeah. admire it and tell us how great it is. And tell us about the episode called The Nagus. I will do that. All right. Well, the Grand Nagus Vizini comes to look at Cork's hollow sweets. Ferengi penniness and groveling ensues. They crouch a lot. There might be laser whips. <laughs> O'Brien is filling in as substitute teacher. Nog's ethics essay was stolen by hot Vulcans without ethics. <laughs> Later, Jake and Nog have a touching moment of friendship, but who cares about that? Quark has a dinner with Grand Nagus Andre, who explains that he needs Quark's bar for a meeting about the Gamma Quadrant. Quark then sadly locks out his most loyal customer, Morn, for a private meeting of Ferengi in his back conference room, where Grand Nagus Jules Goldfarb announces that his successor will be Quark! 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 All of the other Ferengi make Hamburglar sounds and knock over all of the chairs. Grand Nagus Rex dies and is freeze-dried <coughs> is freeze-dried and vacuum-packed like so much Folgers coffee, and Quark becomes the new Grand Nagus. Rom tries to blow up Quark, uh, excuse me, Grand Nagus Quark, with a bomb that tracks deadly body odor. Grand Nagus Quark is getting all godfathery in his quarters. Or is it getting Blofeldy? He is petting a Rigelian cat lizard or something. Rom tries to grovel, but Cork is even more of a jerk than usual. Then, Rom and Crax, the old Negus' son, conspire to blow Cork out of an airlock. Thankfully, Grand Negus Vanya was never dead to begin with, and arrives at the airlock just in time to save Cork. It was all a dream. Or a test. Or something. <laughs> okay, it's one of those well-known dream quests. Yeah, dream tests. tests. Yeah, you know. Yes. The, the dream Sega test. dream test. Right. <laughs> Did not test well at all. Oh. 
Um, okay, two things. Mm-hmm. First of all, did you look up all those Wallace Shawn uh, roles, or did you know them all off the top uh, of your head? I, I knew them all. Did you? Because <laughs> I, I only know two of these offhand. <laughs> and uh, second of all, um, Hot Vulcans Without Ethics. I believe that was a movie by American International. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the same people who brought you stewardesses for hire. Females for hire. Females for hire. <laughs> What you see is what you get with Vulcans without ethics. <laughs> Hot Vulcans without ethics. Excuse mm-hmm. me. Uh, I'm just going to jump right into my good thing here. Right. This this was a Ferengi-centric episode, and it was quite good. Mm-hmm. This is probably the first time we've we've seen the Ferengi like represented as a culture that could feasibly exist in this world, and not mm. just a joke. And yeah, not just a joke. <laughs> they they basically built their whole society here. Like, yeah. like everything that'll that'll come after this builds on this. This this was a really important sort of world building episode, but it never really felt like that. No. The only thing I felt like that was sort of shoehorned in was um, the rules of acquisition are these things that the the Ferengi will go back and forth with. You know, don't forget the thirty seventh rule. Blah 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 blah. You know. Yeah. And they set them up here for the first time super awkwardly. Like, hey, Rom, you know those rules of acquisition we're always talking about? That we've well, always got. Yeah. <laughs> of course I do, brother. And, uh, but apart from that, there was, that was just a, I thought a really good episode for creating, recreating the Ferengi, sort of fixing them. Mm-hmm. And I, I quite like that. No, I, I like that, uh, they just sort of went, okay, the Ferengi didn't work. No. We tried, they didn't work. So we're going to take all the crappy jokes that we made up about them over the last seven years over on, uh, TNG and make them into a credible, not threat, but race. No, and they even acknowledge it. At one point, they're sitting around the table, and and Zek says something to the effect of, uh, "We can't do business in the Alpha Quadrant because everyone thinks we're a joke now." <laughs> yeah, and I thought that was a nice little nod to the fact that the Ferengi reputation yep. among fans isn't exactly. Well, I mean, know who we are. We could like start from scratch. Yay! Well, I mean, <laughs> clean slate. We tried. But what they, the hell were we thinking with those laser whips and those stupid fur jackets we used to wear? And all that crouching, <laughs> so much crouching. Why did, we cr- why did we send an entire ship full of people whose spines didn't work? <laughs> what is wrong with us? The strangest thing is half of those ships had Quark on them. Well, yes. <laughs> or Armin Shimmerman, anyway. Yeah. That was back when he was doing his Ferengi frigate uh, duties. Is that a dance? Do the Ferengi frigate! <laughs> Uh, human. <laughs> First you crouch, then you whip, then you crouch whip. Those of you listening in the audience missed the uh, nice little dance that oh, Al yeah. just did here in the I'm, It's like I'm doing the wave without standing up out of my chair, <laughs> and I have no bones. That's basically how I describe do the Ferengi frigate. <laughs> I, I want to I want to pause real quick. We'll 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 come back to the episode after these short uh, advertising messages. Um, our running. <laughs> catchphrase you know where we say quark a lot quark in the odo voice <laughs> our friend gregory who's been on the show as a guest a couple of times and actually did another fine uh i armis pa uh shirt for us uh, yes. uh made a shirt design that's basically odo screaming quark <laughs> and it is delightful it's it is beautiful it is on sale on at postatomichorror.com uh at least take a look at it even if you're not interested in yeah. having it on a shirt because it's a it's a great little logo it really is. And, I highly recommend it. That's all. I, I wanted to mention that at some point, and, cool. and I thought I might forget it uh, if we continue. So there it is. So there it is. Bob. By early and often. <laughs> yes. You got a good thing? I do have a good thing. Um, 
as much as Jake annoys me, usually his moment with Nog secretly teaching him to read in a disused lavatory with a sign saying, beware the leper, was very <laughs> touching. I, really, does Jake annoy you? Like, I know you've yeah. watched a little further ahead. You know, well, well that's actually my bad thing, too. It's like, every, I feel like I should be annoyed by Jake all the time, but I'm, he almost always turns out to be okay. So yeah. I'm annoyed that it's subverting my expectations. Yeah, that, uh, that happens to us as well. We're like, oh, good, a kid character. Yeah. This went so well on the last show. But then it turns out that he's show. actually really good. <laughs> well, it starts, it, it helps that it starts out that he's just, uh, literally just a kid. Like, he's just the commander's kid. He's not, he doesn't have a special destiny. Well, he's thank not, Christ for that. He doesn't have any particular special talents. He's just a normal kid. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which and helps. I, th I think in some later episodes that we don't know about yet, he is a little mopey and petty and well, know, they write me, him me, me sometimes, but I guess it's a teenager. Yeah, they write him effectively as a 17-year-old. Yeah. You just, you know, unfortunately, that's just not entertaining. Yeah, we yeah. just, we hate 17-year-olds. <laughs> yeah, yeah. exactly. Which is understandable. I sure. mean, look at him. But well. here, he's, a, he's quite good. That's, mm -hmm. It was a, a very touching moment with him and, and, you know, him kind of like running off in secret to do this thing and his dad's like whoa what the hell yeah what doing? what kind of what kind of <laughs> trouble are you raising with this with this ferengi friend of yours this nog character yeah <laughs> which you I... know is just short of being full-on racist yeah <laughs> there's a there's a great conversation between chief o'brien and cisco about uh you know he's like well i i wouldn't let my kid hang out with a ferengi let's just say that i wouldn't want him dating my daughter i wish i had a daughter so i could forbid her to marry one <laughs> <laughs> as, as a matter of fact he does and he has <laughs> No, Amanda and I already decided that uh, when Molly grows up, she's going to date a Cardassian. That's the oh, only of course. <laughs> the only possible way she could lash out at her dad and, and just have it hurt so bad. Dad, this is Gold Jimmy, and I love him. Oh, God. Those horrible Cardassians. Yes. Oh, God, what am I going to do? Maybe I could murder him like I murdered all those other Cardassians. Nothing, nothing, nothing what? at all. <laughs> Let's talk about Chief O'Brien for a minute, which which actually brings us to, Matt, your bad thing. It sure does. <laughs> so Keiko's still gone. Yes. So, you know, I got good news and bad news. <laughs> the good news is that Keiko won't be back for another two weeks. Yay. That's two weeks of freedom. Mm. The bad news is, why exactly is it Chief O'Brien's job to teach these little shits while Keiko is on vacation? Isn't he really busy? Yeah, he enters like, the, the classroom. All the time? We, we're originally meant to think that he came in to fix the replicators or do typical Chief O'Brien stuff. Yeah. And instead, he starts teaching them. I'm like, wait a minute, what? It's like, he's less qualified to teach children than Keiko is, and Keiko's not qualified at all. <laughs> this is true. Yeah, that is odd. They, they don't have any other teachers on the station? Well, no, there was, right? a, there was a subplot of a previous episode where... Um, where she's like, the kids need some structure, and I have nothing to do, so why don't I be the teacher? So the kids were just running rampant on the station yeah. yeah. before that? Yeah. Specifically <laughs> Nogginjay. Basically, that's exactly what was happening. Creating little societies where they worship ghost clowns and chant. And yeah. uh, pig heads, yes. Yes, and have gangbangs in the sewer. We're talking about the same story, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. No, I, I just... Miles! Yeah. Oh, God, what? You better teach those children I'm going to Earth back. for a month! Oh, thank God. I want you to do all the teaching! What? Why would I do that? Ah! Now, there's a... Wow. Yeah. That was quite a scream in my ear, Matt. Yeah. Sorry about that. Know. The, um... I completely lost my train of thought. You just liquefied my brain with that <laughs> scream. With that very accurate, but, uh... But ear Horrible. Keiko scream. <laughs> Now I understand why they named that whale Keiko. 
That all makes sense now. <laughs> I'm a whale biologist. <laughs> whale biologist. Precious hamburgers. Um, you smell bad. What was uh, what was your good thing, Matt? Uh, what was my good thing? Oh, I love uh, Wallace Shaw as uh, the, fer- the king of the Ferengis. Yeah, he's that was some inspired casting. There. Like that is perfect casting for that character, and I also really like his design. Yeah, like, I could see that. He's the t- he's the king of the Ferengi, so he's the most Ferengi looking Ferengi. It's like you take mm-hmm. a like a Ferengi and you cross him with Palpatine. Yes, exactly. He's got all the crags and the and the cloak and the tufts of ear hair. Wait a minute. That was a they. I you mentioned that to me when we were watching, and you're, it's you're hard not, not to notice it now, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. That's the only thing. Like, the Ferengi don't have hair, as far as I can tell, so like, it's weird that he would suddenly have these huge, like, cotton balls in his ears. Yeah. You know, that didn't bother me so much. I mean, because, you know, I didn't have hair in my ears for, you know, decades, and then suddenly, <laughs> overnight. <laughs> well, you right, and I, you you and I are both with invisibility of 40, so yes. uh, this, these things tend to happen. Yes. <laughs> like, I've met you, Bob. I know that you're not completely hairless. <laughs> I also, I still, and I still don't know this. Wait, how do you know that? <laughs> <laughs> Well, that got oh, I have my ways. <laughs> I also, uh, and they don't explain, Matt apparently did some research on this and, and found that it means nothing, but those weird he- head scarves. Yeah, they the got like the wear, weird. Um, on the back of their heads. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. the head dresses. It's like a curtain. Yeah. I thought they were supposed to be some sort of symbol of their status or something. Well, see, that's what I thought, except Rom wears one and Rom has no status at all and Quark doesn't. And he actually does have some status. Oh. Yeah. And the Nagus has all of the status and none of the headdresses. Right. Maybe it's to hide the seams and the makeup on the back of their heads. Is that the in-story reason? <laughs> yes. Ferengi actually look just like humans? Yeah. They just actually, put on elaborate makeup? Unless his cloak is a giant headdress. Wait, it's not just his cloak. Wait, this doesn't it's work. His <laughs> it's his face. It's his face. Clone? Clone? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, my bad thing now, since we're on uh, the the Grand Nagus and his his particulars is his laugh. Yeah, he's got this. Not... <laughs> yeah, no, yours I... yours sounds almost. Uh... No, it's, it's more nasal. <laughs> it's sort yeah, of like a cross between what you're doing, but more Roseanne to it. Yeah, oh, I'm God. a domestic goddess. <laughs> more like that. Yeah, just... I could have done without his creepy giggling coming out of the holodeck while he was masturbated. That was yeah. pretty awesome. Oh, and speaking of masturbating, <laughs> Quark fondling his own ears like crazy. Yeah. When uh, just a few weeks ago in the Vosh episode, it was revealed that when you rub a Ferengi's ears, it's a sexual thing. Yep. Oh, yeah. And then he's just doing it to himself. Just like, yep. ah. It's like scratching your balls in public. Yeah, I, no, no, no. It's like fondling your balls in public. Well, well except don't do it's it. not quite in public because we have pants, right? So, but... The Ferengi just true. need pants for their ears. Uh, that's a good point. They're, they're Maybe that's what the headdresses are supposed to be. <laughs> Except it doesn't block the ears. <laughs> no, it accentuates them. It's like an ear corset. Yeah. Ah, that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> the wonder ear. <laughs> that makes total sense. What would you do? <laughs> <laughs> no, not the wonder years. <laughs> Walked right into that one. <laughs> But yeah, it's it, it, more more than being annoying. The laugh felt really fake and forced every time he did it. Like otherwise, yeah. Wallace Shawn, as you say, 
great casting choice. Perfect pick oh, for yeah. Good uh, actor for this kind of mostly comedic, slightly serious thing. Love yep. that guy. Yeah. But, and, and everything else he does felt so natural to the character. It's this one thing that felt sort of forced, like, oh, oh, Quark, that's funny. <laughs> it's like he just learned how to laugh and he doesn't quite have it down. No, someone explained it to him and he's trying it out now. Right. <laughs> but uh, And again, we heard like uh, Quark laugh later and no one really has a good one. He, he learned from Joe Piscopo. Oh, yeah. Well, that's how everyone learns comedy in the future. <laughs> that's right. He's the number one. Uh, and he's really just substituting. He's just Chief <laughs> O'Briening until the real comedian comes back. <laughs> one hopes. <laughs> We got we got more Quark begging in this episode, which yeah is easy to do. This has been starting to bother me. He's supposed to be like a really good businessman, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's his whole deal. But like he should be a real ballbuster. He should be just like really tough in negotiating. Yeah, it seems like it's really easy to take advantage of him. Yep. Mm. Like, and he's always doing that two wrist claps clasped together, pleading, please, please, please. arrest me. Yeah, <laughs> that's what it looks like too. Please handcuff me. <laughs> If Odo would invest in some handcuffs, he'd be fine. Quark! <laughs> you, but he you, could never arrest his best friend. No, they are. And once again, yep. we open with a scene of those two just hanging out together. But I'm watching you, Quark. Oh, God, you're watching me every day. Do you want a drink or not? <laughs> yeah. Oh, and he gives him that, too. He gives him that whole spiel. Yeah. Which is which is nice. Um, I hear it's your birthday, Odo. Have a birthday. They don't have birthdays. you a cake. <laughs> you said you'd bake us a cake. <laughs> oh, and uh, I'm going to take it to my bucket. <laughs> cake bucket. <laughs> that's that's my uh, damn it. I can't I can't come up with one quickly enough. That's my some cake bucket is my something cover band. <laughs> Note to cake me of the future. Is my, is my cake jug band. Yeah. See, I thought that was a little too uh, a little yeah. too on the nose. <laughs> I nope. still got one out, though. That's true. No, see, I can edit in a, a clever one later, and it's like I said something clever, you know, <laughs> the whole time. That, that's fixing it in post. Then man. we'll look like fools. <laughs> yeah, then we'll all look like fools. You fool. Wait a you minute. You fool. <laughs> Speaking of you fool, Rom finally becomes Rom in this episode. Yeah, he did. He finally graduated from a uh, sort of regular-sounding guy to really dumb-sounding guy. Yeah, it sounds like goofy. Just no other way to put it. <laughs> okay. He sure does, brother. Yes, whatever, whatever you say. Although, you know, he does have that nice edge to him, where he tried oh, yeah. to murder his brother. Yeah, that was surprising to me. Yeah, little, little, but, and then, but at the end, Quark just sort of, you know, hey, let me buy you a drink. You're promoted. Was, good, good for you. Good, uh, that was some good attempted murder you had there, uh, Rom. Yeah. Don't, don't do it again. I think he just gave him more responsibilities without any more pay. He uh, bought him a drink, though. Right. That is definitely a thing that he did. Yep. This is true. And he won't buy anyone drinks. He won't <laughs> no. even buy Odo a drink. He got him a cake, though. He did get him a cake for his bucket. <laughs> <laughs> Another um, chance. Have you thought of one yet? No. Uh. This is for me later. Me. I'm already. I've already moved on. <laughs> I have a note here. Where'd all those kids come from in the uh, in the classroom? Remember they were oh, saying yeah, how there's like, only like two or three kids on the station. I guess word got around that you could have a place to imprison your children during the day. I on guess. DS9 now. Or maybe it was like they were scared of Keiko. They're like, we're not sending... Oh, wait, Chief O'Brien? I love that guy. Oh, God, sure, Chief I'll send O'Brien's my kids to school. Lovely. Yeah, He'll be a great teacher for some reason. <laughs> well, he's just a nice guy. Mm -hmm. Maybe some more uh, Federation people have transferred in now that they've discovered that the wormhole is there. And, you know. Yeah. 
But yeah. I, I see. I feel like they were there when Keiko started the school too. <laughs> but I mean, you could say as a parent, you might be reluctant to turn your kids over to Keiko. Oh, but Keiko, it, but well, Chief O'Brien, <laughs> if you spent maybe. if you spent five minutes with Chief O'Brien, you'd be like, oh yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll totally send my kids to that guy. He's great. Yeah, the engineer versus the botanist. Yes. <laughs> I want to send my kids to the engineer. Botanist Bay. Oh, oh no. no. <laughs> I feel like Chief O'Brien would spend a lot of time telling, teaching everyone about wars. Yeah. Wars, how many Cardassians he killed, and the potato famine. And, uh, no, he'd, he'd be trading a lot of little junior engineers as well. Yep. Mm-hmm. And this is how you unplug a toilet. <laughs> Now, quit calling me every time your dad makes <laughs> makes makes a now problem. Watch, makes a push. Yes. I was going to say I makes gotta, a mess of the bathroom, and then I kind of got lost in my I own. I got to go make. Yes. Now, watch this. You might learn something. Heart at heart at heart. Mm-hmm. Now, what's all this happening here? <laughs> what do you mean a bunch of Vulcans stole your homework pad? Yeah. <laughs> Why didn't you just upload it to my computer? That would have made sense. Why do you have so many pads anyway? <laughs> Who has 85 pads? We you know, all this each... shit just goes on one, right? They each only have 8K of memory. Yeah, we're <laughs> Bob and I sitting here holding our pads full of, you know, gigs and gigs of stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, Jake's got a scene where he's, he's got a stack of like eight or ten of them in their quarters, and he's trying to find the right one for his homework. Right. On, on the other hand, they did predict pads. Yeah. You got to give them that. Well, didn't they base uh, didn't they base the design of the iPad on like the, the Star Trek pad? I don't know. I'd heard uh, I'd heard that that was sort of their their inspiration, but I don't mm. know. You know. Yeah, I'm sure it was somewhere in the in the inspiration yeah. arena, but uh, as far as exactly based, <laughs> I'm not sure about that. Yeah, I know there's a there's a thing for the uh, the the non iPad brand tablets where you can get like a what do they call it? L cars. The uh, the Federation operating system basically. Oh, there's a oh yeah. There's there's like an app for the iPad that will like it has a Star Trek database in it and it has the oh, nice. interface yeah. and makes all the cute little sounds and things. Oh, I think I'm we might have downloading that right now. I think we might have looked into doing something along those lines for the uh, for the app and then we found out that you know we better not risk getting sued. Oh well, <laughs> yeah. But as we were throwing ideas around, that may have come up at some point. Yeah. <laughs> the Stomach Horror app is still have. free, by the way, for your iOS. Devices. You can just download it. Yeah, just just go get it. Um, that's all. That's oh, we had we had fake Mister Hom, who was the uh, who was the Nagus's uh, yep. uh, assistant, who was basically exactly the same as Mister Hom, just a big imposing Played scary by guy. The other giant guy. Yeah, <clears throat> tiny Ron. Yep. That that name is ironic. He's not tiny at all. He's <laughs> quite tall. Tiny Ronic. I, I want to address uh. a comment that uh, Matt made that mm-hmm. he he wanted the uh, large portrait painted portrait of the negus in his bathroom yep oh was it your bath? I, I missed where you said you wanted it in your bathroom is that Why? uh to help you with your evacuations matt <laughs> to help you make well no it'd be hung behind the toilet <laughs> then, you'd never, oh, then you'd only see it when you were standing yeah exactly <laughs> oh okay. uh, i see I, I don't really see but, i want uh, the negus judging me while i pee <laughs> you also want that staff don't you i really do <laughs> if i ever need a cane hmm I want it to have a, the uh, Ferengi Nagus head on it. Oh, I want the one with the little fist on top, like old Biff from the. Yeah, that's another has. good one. <laughs> I also like the uh, the Cobra one from I think some GI Joe. Yeah, I'd probably go for that, but I'd, I'd go for whatever it is. It would have a sword in it. Oh, of course. 
<laughs> and I hate swords, but if I got to carry a cane, I'll learn to like swords. Yep. <laughs> oh, you'll like it. Oh, you'll learn to like swords and like it. Yes. Well, I like S words, so it's not too far from uh, <laughs> to like swords. Pick, pick swords. I'll take S words. Um, that's pretty much all I had on this one. Yeah. How about you guys? Yeah, I think so. Uh, you got a quote for us? Yes, I do. It's uh, when the Negus first gets to the station and, and asks uh, Ork, you know, for some stuff. Is the Grand Nagus here on business or pleasure? Is there a difference? Very nice. I quite like that. There, there's a lot of good little exchanges. There's, there's a few homages to uh, the, the Godfather oh, yeah. as well, which I quite liked. Mm. There's a scene where, where Quark's got, he's got this terrible sort of puppety alien, right? Sort of in his lap adjacent area. His pet wig. <laughs> but they, but they shoot it the way the <laughs> uh, the first, um, the first scene in in the first Godfather movie was where it's the, the sort of the darkish room with a little bit of light coming you in from behind him. come to me on this, the day of my daughter's wedding. Right, exactly. You'll never come around for a piece of cake. <laughs> Matt, I don't... Uh, well, it was in Odo's Pail. <laughs> bucket so, uh, cake. Yeah. <laughs> over in the cake bucket there. Matt, I don't know if you remember this because at, by this point you were uh, fairly toasted. Mm. But we were going around at your reception a asking you for favors on this, the day of your wife's wedding. <laughs> <laughs> No, I was pretty drunk by that point. <laughs> uh, that's what I figured. You didn't, you didn't grant us any of the favors. That's all I remember. Well, no. You gave me a lot of hard things to do. At well, that point, the only favors I could, I could grant were drinking the rum you were holding. Yeah. Mm. And drinking the other rum you were holding. I did mix you a couple of rum and rums. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then he pulled out Shinzon's another knife. Yes. <laughs> nice callback. All right, so if that is all about that one, then we shall move on to the other one called Vortex, mm. which is guaranteed when Matt and I go and write the episode guide for Deep Space Nine is going to be, which one was this one? What the fuck was Vortex about? <laughs> Why don't they give it them was about better Eye titles? Of the Beholder. What's that? Uh, it was about Eye of the Beholder. It could be Eye of the Beholder. We're, <laughs> we're nearly finished with the next-gen portion of our episode guide that'll be coming soon, and we so many of those episodes are so generically titled. Yep. Matt and I, between the two of us, know basically everything there is to know about Star Trek, and neither of us just like just a fucking blank. Yeah. And no, we were talking. Like we were talking about this. It's like I can t I can tell you pretty much most of the original series episodes based yeah. on the titles. Sure. I cannot tell you like any of the TNG ones that aren't like really unique, like you know, Best of Both Worlds or something. Right. Mm. No, they went with those generic sort of Seinfeld ones where it's yep. the noun. Yep. The something. The noun is like my least favorite episode of TNG. You know that one where they meet that noun? <laughs> oh god, that was terrible. Is uh, there even a vortex in this episode? Yes, there is. It's the it's the fake Mutara Nebula. Oh. Haha. <laughs> well. So there you go. Not very vortexy, just sort of creamy. Perhaps yeah. I should stop asking questions so you can tell us about that. Very well, I shall do that. So Quark's up to no good again, this time with a pair of Miradorn twins selling some kind of fancy egg from the Gamma Quadrant. If you want the best deal on exotic eggs from across the galaxy, Quark's your man, apparently. Some dude named Croden enters the transaction, some phaser fire is exchanged, and one of the twins is killed. The other swears vengeance, but before he can do anything about it, Odo is all, I was the extra glass the whole time, now you're under arrest, sugar. <laughs> that's that's how I remember it anyway. So Croden is locked in space jail, and he begins lightly taunting Odo with apparent knowledge of shapeshifters, or changelings as he calls them, in the Gamma Quadrant. He produces a necklace that's some kind of shape-shipping Tamagotchi or something, which Dr. Bashir confirms is, medically speaking, the same kind of goofed-up hooju that Odo is. <laughs> 
Meanwhile, Cisco and Dax take a run about to Croden's homeworld to discuss the idea of extradition or whatever, only to discover that they're dicks. Like super huge jerks who actually say, we don't care about you or your stupid culture, just give us our guy back. Total Gamma Quadrant races met so far, three. Total Jerk races encountered so far, also three. <laughs> it's a really cranky quadrant, apparently. So Croden's people convince Cisco to send Croden back home because of all the crimes he did there, and Odo volunteers to take him. Croden continues to tempt Odo with information about changelings, and as luck would have it, the pissed-off Miradorn is following them, so they have to flee to the mysterious Vortex, hey, that's the name of the episode, where the changelings are allegedly hanging out. Except that, naturally, they aren't there. No, this is where Croden has stashed his daughter in some kind of stasis tube, so he's a murderer and a great parent. He wakes her up, and Odo decides to let the two of them go free with some conveniently passing Vulcans. And while this is indeed a sweet gesture, it does raise an interesting question. Odo just watched this dude murder someone. The only thing Odo cares about, according to him, is justice. Yet he just lets a murderer off the hook because he has a kid? Mr. Odo, you're becoming more human every day, and I don't like it. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, very nice. And, you know, I did like the episode, don't get me wrong, but that, oh, yeah. was, a, that was a huge hole as far as I'm concerned. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I kind of thought at the end there he might just let the daughter go onto the Vulcan ship and then, you know, right. take the other dude back. And it would be bittersweet, but... Yeah. Sure. Well, they, they, they tease the idea of the daughter staying with him. <laughs> and Odo watching after her. And Odo's like, uh, no. well... No. Um, and, you know, <laughs> he would just end up being like so much Jeremy Astor from uh, Next Gen. Yeah, to, to so which, much vanished. <laughs> to which, unless you remember the episode specifically, you'll say, who? Because <laughs> Worf was supposed to bring him into his family and take care of him forever, and he never showed up again after Instead, one Instead, he didn't do any of those things. <laughs> no, he barely did that with his own child. <laughs> just put him in the closet. Just, yep. Forgot about him. Yep. Father, didn't I used to have a brother? No. <laughs> a oh. human brother? <laughs> no, I have the human brother. Oh, right. Oh, <laughs> brother. Okay, brother. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that was, I mean, that wasn't actually my bad thing, but it was a bad thing. Just that I, I this dude was bad. He was a criminal. And yep. it really surprised me that Odo specifically would just let him go. Yeah, I'm like, I hope that's not spreading to like the rest of his, uh, of his job. Quark, I know you're up to something and I don't care because you have a daughter now. <laughs> Next, you know, Kara will be, like, helping out insurgents and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Spoilers. <clears throat> <clears throat> Heavy spoilers. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, apart from that, this was a quite good episode. My good thing is, I, I obviously, I've seen the entire series before a couple of times. I know what the real deal is with Odo's people. Most of the stuff this guy says isn't wrong, and I think it's an interesting, it's interesting conflict for Odo because this drives him. He wants to know yeah. about his people so much that he he is willing to to take risks and to pilot a shuttle or a runabout without even really knowing how. Yeah, and taking this dang, supposedly dangerous criminal back home. Like I don't, I just I like the conflict for Odo. It's it's a nice, like we've already gotten an episode that shows him doing his job, and uh, you know, and uh, Odo as constable episode. Yeah. And now it's more of an Odo on his day off. Like, what does he really care about? What's his most important <laughs> thing apart from eating cake out of a bucket? <laughs> and that's, who are my people? Where are they from? And uh, I thought that was done quite well. 
<laughs> now I want to see a vacation episode with Odo like on a beach wearing shorts and drinking a mai tai. I feel like I <laughs> feel like if Odo up, went yeah. on vacation, he'd be wearing like one of those full body old person bathing suits. Oh yes, yes, absolutely. Odo with transforms stra- himself into one of those hogorn little figurines that they carry on races <laughs> to make it. Oh yeah, this means that I want sex. <laughs> well, at least they don't have sex with the or figurines. Ra- Rahamajaron. What, what was Jamaharon. that? Jamaharon. Jamaharon, thank you. Yep. Wow. Do, you know do, the Horgon. <laughs> yep. Of course I know that. Riker knows that, so I know that. <laughs> Packing sand into his pail. <laughs> <laughs> Sandcastle doesn't quite fit together right, so he morphs into part of it. Sandcastle is made of Odo. <laughs> yeah. Oh, imagine that. And then imagine having to pick sand out of his liquid form like for, for weeks afterwards. Some children yeah. buried me in the sand, so I turned into more sand. But imagine he's, he's sort of viscous. He's sort of like oily kind of thick, you know, goo. Yeah. And if you get sand in there, that ain't coming out. Uh, I need a shower. <laughs> There's sand in my colon. I mean, it's still I, I still have no idea how he works. He, he turned into a glass. In, in this episode. A like glass a, that shattered. Yeah, that's what yeah. I'm saying. A drinking glass. Like, Which, which was maybe, uh, I don't know, eight inches tall and wasn't super heavy when someone picked it up. And then, no. yeah, it shattered. I don't know. Like, it's one of those things like holodeck logic that I really don't want to overthink. No, because mm. it doesn't work. No, it doesn't work and it'll just ruin the show and it, it, it really doesn't matter. But every yeah. now and then I find myself wondering how, how he works. Yeah. And I just, I have no idea. Mushroom physics. Mm-hmm. That must be it. Uh, Bob, what was your good thing? Uh, the plight of the alien dude that killed a guy. He um, he felt a lot like the animated series Batman take on Mr. Freeze, where it's, you know, a criminal, criminal, but he's doing these criminal things so he can one day save his frozen lady. Right. I, so there was some nice depth to the story. Alien there. Tom Jane just wants his kids back. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I will agree with you for the most part, except for the guy we see him kill, which we never really get a clear understanding of why he wants to... That, that was actually my bad that, thing. Oh, okay. Like, yeah. I don't understand what the Fabergé egg at the start had to do with any of the rest of the plot. Why did he... Was it like to get money to unseal his frozen lady or yeah they could have made that a little more clear yeah. I, I didn't understand that aside from making the twins very angry so they could chase him no and and the uh the twins i actually quite like that was almost my good thing mm-hmm. the the miradorn i don't know if we've ever seen them or mentioned them before i don't but, think so no but they're like the binars from next gen uh where they're they're paired up there's there's mm-hmm. two of them mm-hmm. and apparently the same actor played both of them in this episode which was also i thought quite well done because i didn't mm-hmm. know that until i looked it up i thought it no, was real twins cool. oh yeah good effects and um and the dude uh once his brother's killed was just totally weak and he's like i'm, I'm not even alive anymore this is just this is horrible and it's, I don't know, I, I thought it was a really cool sort of sci-fi idea. And one of the things I love about DS9 is they'll put a cool sci-fi idea in there as sort of a throwaway detail. Yeah, it just Which, fleshes out the universe a little bit more. Right. And, my two wives. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That was a that was a thing where he said the uh, the people came into my house and they killed my two wives. And uh, prick killed both my wives. Yeah, and uh, of course looking at him, I can't imagine him, you know... Even having one, no, <laughs> which is really my bad thing. The uh, the makeup on on Croden is probably he's probably apart from the terrible board game guys from a few weeks ago, like the worst designed alien on Deep Space Nine so far. Just because in a show with so many well designed aliens that look you know quite interesting to me. 
He just mm. looked slapped together. Yeah, looked very Well, he looked like he'd, he'd been very cross and wrinkling the center of his forehead for his whole life, and they turned it up by 500%. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> he, lo- he looked like they started turning him into a Klingon and then just kind of gave up <laughs> halfway through. Just like, nah, it's what fine. If we made him a Klingon? Nah, what if we didn't? It's a forehead <laughs> thing. And like I said in my summary, his his whole planet is just jerks. Yep. I love the, the, the runabout gets there, and he's like, uh, Cisco is like, hi, this is Cisco. You're, you know, I'm from the Federation. We're lo- Do you know anything about Croden? And I just thought, wouldn't that be like coming to Earth and asking if you know Bill? <laughs> <laughs> like, it's an entire planet. He's really the only person named Croden, and the guy you reached is going to know who he is. Maybe. maybe Luckily, maybe he does. Have so. names. That could be, but even still. They don't allow registry entrants that are duplicates of... Okay. Okay. Okay, but how many people on the planet? Enough <laughs> that they all know dirty. each other? No, 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 no. I just, I want to tease this out. I want to explore this because the other part of it is there must only be like a hundred people on the planet because this guy knows exactly who he's talking about. Well, it's in mm-hmm. the future. So apparently, you know, obviously they have a database of every person on the planet that's flawless and, uh, oh, you know. Okay. That's fair. Your logic, your logic is sound. <laughs> I now buy ex- it. Now explain how Odo turns into a tiny glass. <laughs> He thinks real hard. <laughs> <laughs> he squeezes himself together and then makes himself less dense somehow, which yeah, that's where, the laws of physics. But that's where it he, falls apart. And then he shatters. <laughs> now, the um, Transformers fans have always had this thing that, where, uh, like, you know, giant robots that turn into tiny things, like mm-hmm. Soundwave, it turns into a little tape deck, puts his um, extra mass in subspace while he's a tape deck. Ooh. And it's I think, like a bag of holding or something. Yeah, exactly. So that's probably how Odo works also. Oh, Odo. Was, I always just assumed they folded down really small. Yeah, but then the, the, the tape deck would be the, you know, it would it would weigh as much as the giant robot did. Well, I mean, how does, uh, how does What's-His-Face turn into a gun that another Transformer can shoot? Well, right, exactly. It's the same theory. Answer he, me that, Mr. Transformers he man. He transforms into, into a, from a robot into a gun yes. with gunpowder and <laughs> no, 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 it's a laser. Can... It's a laser gun. Oh, oh, I'm sorry, I forget. Yeah, Saturday so morning the... cartoons aren't allowed to have gunpowder. Shoot me in the brain right, exactly. with a laser. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, he shunts his, uh, and they use the word shunt too, which is why I remember it. I think shunt McGuffin. Yes, they sh- they shunt McGuffin his extra mass into subspace. <laughs> Up there in the booth. Up there in the booth. Keep doing what you do. Maybe he converts his extra mass into energy. And that's what he uses to fire the laser with. Megatron or Odo? <laughs> oh, <wait>. <laughs> <laughs> I've gotten lost. That's You're okay. listening to the Transformers <laughs> podcast. <laughs> uh, hey, I'm fine with that. I'm not. Bail. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, okay, Matt, what was your good thing? Uh, I actually, on the topic of Alien Dude, I quite liked the guy who played him. Yeah, not, um, not a bad character. Played no, well. not a bad character. And I like his sort of, we- like, he's got that sort of weird, casual, like, uh, when he comes in, they're like, what is- who are you doing? What is the meaning of this? And he's like, yeah, I'm robbing you guys. Sorry. Yeah, when they when they come to him in the jail, he's like, I'm hungry. Don't you feed your prisoners. The fact that you just killed a man doesn't affect your appetite. It was him or me. And if he'd have killed me, I wouldn't be hungry now. That's a good quote. Mm. It is a fine quote. <laughs> Let's is. all pretend we just heard it. What a good wife it would be. <laughs> Two wives, Matt. But my life, my loves, and my ladies is the sea. You hate the sea and everything in it. I do. <laughs> uh, what was your bad thing? 
Uh, so, uh, dude's just gonna keep threatening to kill this guy, and, uh, nobody's gonna do something about that, huh? Oh, the Miradorn? The, yeah. The surviving like, twin? He flat out says, right to Odo, the cop. Right. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm going to do whatever I can to kill this guy forever. I think, <laughs> I think their general attitude toward that stuff is, well, first of all, the dude's in custody and he's under their protection. But second of all, if he manages to leave, it's really not their problem. It didn't happen on the station. It's really out of Odo's jurisdiction. Mm -hmm. It just feels like they... at this point. Yeah. It just, it feels like they're, you know, this guy's just threatened to kill this other guy, and they're all treating it like, well, we better look out for that in the future. No, I think... Might be a problem. Like I said, they keep him in custody, and I think they assumed he was going to stand trial and then, you know, whatever. And he'd be under Odo's protection the whole time. I don't know. Hmm. Yeah. Nope. No? Well, probably, yes. All right. <laughs> you turn me around on the topic. Ah, very well. <laughs> so now you don't have a bad thing. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. um, I really like the, um, the little jewel changeling doohickey. Yeah, that was, a, that was a neat idea. And uh, Bashir examines it, excuse me, and says that... Um, that it actually could be sort of related to Odo, some distant... Yeah, you distant know. cousin. Right, exactly. <laughs> it's weird I, uh, because Memory Alpha says... Bashir said that entirely sarcastically and jokingly, but I took it as a real no. thing. It seemed pretty straightforward to me. In fact, Odo had a, had a bit at the end where he's talking to the little thing. He's like, all right, cousin, we're gonna, you know, we'll figure this out someday. <laughs> I didn't like home. I didn't like that part. No, that was that was Cork a bit just or uh, Odo just seems to start monologuing to his keychain. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> how are you doing? You're my cousin, huh? Do That's I have to buy cool. you any Christmas presents? <laughs> oh, I do. I have to buy you a drink. Uh, I don't <laughs> drink. Do you speak? Hello, Quark. Tap, 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 tap. You can't have any of my cake. Tap tap tap. Big fly. <laughs> Your shoe's untied. <laughs> uh, I stole a sports almanac. I, I, didn't Odo get hit on the head in this episode? He did. Oh, yeah! How did that happen? That How doesn't work! How does he work. not just like, morph around it like the T-1000? I guess if it takes him by surprise... <laughs> Like a giant rock falling to him, he didn't. Maybe he didn't have time to react and morph properly. Yeah, but like, is that where his brains are in his head, like a normal person? I thought they were <laughs> thought they were evenly distributed throughout his goo. Yeah, but I seriously don't know. I'd love to see like an anatomical chart of a changeling. Like I can get behind the idea of it knocking him down, but I don't yeah. understand why it knocks him out. No, he should get knocked down and then get up again. Yeah, no Nothing rock should can keep, keep him, him down. down. Right, exactly. <laughs> Nobody's gonna break his stride. No, he's bucket thumping. <laughs> but he's not gonna drink a whiskey drink or a vodka drink or a cider drink or another drink. No. And he's probably not gonna sing a song about the good times or the bad times. <laughs> Oddly enough, though, he is going to sing about Danny Boy. Hmm. <laughs> Don't cry for me, Quark. <laughs> I get knocked down, but I get up again. <laughs> 
Now I just want to see Karaoke <laughs> Night at Quarks. I want to see Karaoke Night at Quarks so I, badly. I believe we've talked about this before because, and in, 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 it's like season seven. It's like way late in the series. Uh, Cisco actually does sing some sort of old uh, big band number, as I yep. recall. No, really. Which is a lot of fun. And it, it's one of those, okay, we've been doing this for seven years. The actors are starting to get itchy. Fine, Avery Brooks. We'll find a way for you to sing. Sweet Caroline. <laughs> da, da, da. Ba, ba, ba. <laughs> Good times never seem so what? Good. <laughs> <laughs> nice thing at your wedding is you had an instrumental uh, string quartet version of that song playing. I did. And everyone, nice. everyone in the audience at that moment, under their breath, because they're all Canadian and terribly polite, <laughs> yep. goes, ha, ha, ha. Like, if you weren't listening for it, you almost wouldn't hear it. It was so uh, quiet. <laughs> well, I didn't notice because I was throwing up at the time. But, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what else? That's pretty much all I got. Yeah. Odo's Let's hair came unstuck when he was sort of under duress. I thought that was a yep. little weird. Hmm. I always pictured his hair as being not actually hair, but just sort of attached to his head somehow. Yeah, that was always my assumption, too. It was a hair helmet. Yeah, but then I always thought that about Data, and Data's hair got messed up occasionally as well. Mm-hmm. I always I thought actually, that was sort like, of a plastic thing that just clipped I like on. the idea of him thinking, like, okay, I'm actually pretty upset right now. I should probably have hair that reflects that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that better. Sense. Uh, oh, there was a there was a moment where they're they're going into the titular vortex, <laughs> titular, <laughs> and um, Odo turns the uh, controls of the runabout over to uh, uh, what's his name? Croden. Contra code is what I almost call yes. him. Yes, that's fine. <laughs> by by uncuffing him, Odo doesn't tell the computer. Okay, it's you're allowed to take commands from this criminal now. Suddenly, it just. He just starts talking to it, and it responds to him. That seems a little Maybe, maybe weird. that's it. The computer is allowed to take commands from anybody who's not cuffed. Well, see, the, what, what it is sense. is he knew the Contra code so he could get in. Ah. Is that the A, B, A, B, select start? Up, down, up, down, left, right, left, right, B, A, B, A, start. Ah, yep. Right. And uh, it, it just struck me as weird because, you know, anybody in a, in a runabout shouldn't be able to give voice commands to the thing. No. I mean, it's bad enough Odo's not really a pilot in the first place, but to just let a, a criminal drive it just seems a little weird. I, I dreamt... <laughs> Wait, that's not right. Sorry, I was reading something. Uh, <laughs> very well. But this is the future where everybody trusts everybody and we're all pals, right? No, this is Deep Space Nine where nobody trusts anybody. Yeah. Oh, that's different. This is Deep Space Quark. Nine where I've been watching you, Quark. <laughs> yep. I'll be watching you. And uh, my last note here was this episode just makes me want to see the other changelings. Yeah. Just because... be what, like another year, right? Uh, something like that. Spoilers! Yeah. When they really become involved in the story, is going to be a little further along. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. it's the, the thing that really continues to strike me about this show is how... I mean, we can stop talking about how much better it is than Next Gen now, but, but <laughs> just how different it is. It's written like... It's written like a grown-up show. Like, yes. The B-plot of that first episode was um, Jake and Nog, you know, their friendship and Jake teaching him how to read and all that. That's not deadly danger or anything. It's just no, character it's just development. stuff that happens. It, and yeah. 
everything they do that doesn't serve the plot is character development. It's yeah. nice little details that help you get to know these characters better. Next Gen hardly ever did that. Yeah, it's yeah. nice to get away from their kind of mandate. The ship has to be in danger at yeah. all times during right. some ep- or at some point during the episode. <laughs> and they do that a little here, like they did it in the Q episode, and they did it in another one we did recently. Mm. So I, they're still sort of sticking to that formula, kind but of. But it doesn't have to be every episode. No, and it doesn't like, have to be. Like, we don't have to find, like, oh, and also there's a virus or the ship's turning into goo. Right. <laughs> no, it's it's fantastic, and it just feels like almost a different almost a different genre of show i mean it's still obviously a, a drama set in space mm-hmm. but i think that's it it feels like a drama set in space versus a space show with some drama yeah if that makes sense it puts the it puts the characters first well, I think yeah no i know exactly what you mean that we're staying in one place all the time where it's i mean they get away a little bit but well, yeah but you always... have to deal with the ramifications of yeah, your actions there are every consequences. week yeah and if you start a school and then you go off to Earth, then your husband's going to have to take over. <laughs> For some reason. For some reason. No, but that's a, I mean, it's a small thing. But if um, Rosalind Cho isn't available to play Keiko and you want to do something with the school, you have written yourself in that corner. You have to come up with yep. some And that's how the show works. Yeah. Like, things continue to move forward and you have to, you know... All the characters have to be accounted for, and, mm-hmm. and I, I don't know. I really like that. Yeah, absolutely. There's just such a totally different feel to this show, and I think it's what we respond to. It's written a little more adult, I would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. feels less like a child's adventure show and more like a grown-up show, mm-hmm. which yeah. which is what I like about it. Uh, but that's all I have to say about that. What about you guys? I think that's everything. Bob? Uh, I'll just say Quark! Victory. Well, we'll all just say Quark! <laughs> Quark! <laughs> Uh, as ever, postatomichorror.com. You want to write to us, uh, it is postatomichorror at Gmail. Got a really nice letter from a listener that I'd never heard of before. Uh, never heard from before. Mm. Never heard of either uh, this past week. Um, asking a question, which we will answer in our next supplemental episode. But also just saying, I really like your stuff. I've been listening to you since the original series. And, uh, you know, thanks for the entertainment. And it's, it's it always great doing this. Like, of course, we'd love to sell sh- shirts. We'd love to, you know, do the, the convention thing. But the, the, the main thing is knowing the people are listening and hearing that feedback. That is just fantastic. Mm-hmm. Just uh, just just really made my day. So uh, That is cool. Yeah, very nice. So uh, that is all. Matt, say your thing. See you, folks. The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2013. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this for fun.